Hello everyone and welcome back to Identity Architects, the podcast that's dedicated to spotlighting individuals who are changing the way that data and identity can be used to improve the customer experience. I'm your host Ben Cicchetti, and for those of you who have listened to previous episodes of Identity Architects, you'll remember that when we spoke to Peter Markey, CMO of Boots, and asked him who he would nominate to appear on Identity Architects, he said this. I'm Tony Miller at WW, used to be Weight Watchers, uh, also brilliant, I think really interesting what he's done there with Anna and the wider team and repositioning Weight Watchers and how they're using data and creating new experiences for people who want to lose weight. So I am thrilled to say that for this episode of Identity Architects, my colleague Kate Blacksill did sit down with Tony Miller, VP of Growth and Performance Marketing at WW. Before I hand it over to Kate, just a quick reminder to hit that subscribe button wherever you enjoy podcasts to know when the latest episode lands. But without any further delay, here's Kate and Tony. So, welcome to the podcast, Tony. Um, Pete Markey from Boots recommended you on one of the last episodes, which makes me even more excited to hear what you've got to say. I'm Kate Blacksall from the Northern European uh, sales team at Infosum, working with brands to help them with first-party data collaboration. So, let's begin. Tony, for anyone who doesn't know you, can you give us a quick intro to Tony Miller and WW? Who are you and what do you do? Absolutely. Thanks, Kate, uh, and for having me on. It's exciting to be here with you. I'm Tony Miller, a digital transformationist at heart, really, uh, focusing on brand building, consumer experiences, and marketing technology. I've been in the industry for 30 years uh, and have worked both agency and client side, uh, most recently at the Walt Disney Company and now at WW. <clears throat> and I'm laser focused on how to harness the power of data uh, with significant experience managing scaled, fast growth and complex global businesses. Uh, but for those who don't know WW, we are a wellness company powered by the world's leading sustainable weight loss program. We believe that healthy living is a human right and we aspire to make wellness accessible to all, not just a few, uh, all whilst inspiring healthy habits for real life, powered by our 58 years of behavioral science and nutrition. Amazing. So it sounds like you've certainly got a vast kind of wealth of experience within the industry, which is why we're glad to hear you uh, to have you here today. Um, given that, let's dive into one of the hot topics uh, in the industry today, the cookie-less future. There seems to be a million answers to life after cookie. And a lot of companies claiming their solutions are the only way forward. Where do you think the industry is going? And do you think you'll, we'll end up with a single solution that solves for everything? For example, a cookie replacement or more of a hybrid approach with a range of options being used? Indeed, uh, there is a million answers um, uh, to the cookie future. And everyone is clamoring to have the solution. Um, it's complex. It's a complex maze, actually, that continues to be a bit ambiguous at present, I think. Um, and I, personally, I don't think we'll end up with one single solution that solves everything. Uh, there'll be people out there trying to come up with the new universal identifier, but I think that time has kind of been and gone, really. I think we'll, we'll, there'll be a hybrid approach with a range of options being used. And as marketers, we will have to understand how each and every one of them will work for us. Uh, to best determine how we can continue to reach the right audiences across all platforms, uh, obviously with the relevant content and at the right time. 
Uh, it'll be more uh, work and investment for brands to get this right for us. Uh, and we need to own how we bring it all together ourselves uh, to, in order to make sense of it for what we need. Yeah, so there's obviously um, a number of different solutions, but I think I would agree with you that this sort of hybrid approach uh, is definitely the best way forward. Um, Google's recent, recent announcement delaying their changes regarding third-party cookies has given everyone a bit more time. Um, how do you plan on using the additional time given? And are you concerned others may choose to use the time to just bury their heads in the sand for longer? <laughs> yes, more time. Uh, is that good or bad? <laughs> Will we just be putting it off for longer? <laughs> like human nature and our our tendency to procrastinate when we can. But I think um, we're, we are constantly finding ways of sitting together, uh, whether uh, where our audiences are, uh, whether that's with like-minded brands uh, with whom we can partner with or with data technologists who help us match on their platforms uh, to ensure we're reaching our target audiences. Um, it's not one size fits all, but with but rather with support from our media agencies and partners, we're finding a way to build up our first party data so we have that direct relationship. I think prospect pooling, lead generation and contextual advertising are all things we're doing to ready ourselves for when that day actually comes. So, you know, we're not sitting on our laurels. We're trying to figure out fast and furiously how we're going to get there be when the when it when the time comes for a third party cookies to be no longer it kind of sounds like a big mega um cinema release that's um in a out in a cinema near you uh, <laughs> but <laughs> there's a lot of noise out there on this topic indeed and i do think brands honestly i do think brands and the people i talk to and the places i'm going in terms of uh, what i'm reading are trying to get ahead of the game uh because we, we have to, we have to in order to be ready. Um, I'm sure there's a few of those out there burying their heads in the sand, uh, but I think that's probably more down to resource and money uh, rather than for want of trying, to be honest. Yeah, I think um, although they obviously announced a delay, kind of that time has already moved forward quite quickly. So um, I think we, we're certainly seeing from an InfoSum perspective that brands are starting to really move forward with this yeah i think we have to otherwise i mean we know how quickly time goes i can't believe it's been two years of a pandemic already but so it's crazy. that day is that day is coming so yeah you're right i think and we like all brands we're trying to get um uh, ahead of it uh, so we're ready to so given that what three things would you recommend every advertiser does in the next 18 months Absolutely. I think first and foremost, it's first party data collection. I think at the end of the day, we can't rely on obviously cookies or anything kind of a replacement um, that is going to be completely unique to, to what we need. So first party data collection, own your own data as much as you can, whether that's through, again, as I mentioned, lead gen, uh, pop ups on your site to capture email addresses, but start building up your own pool of engaged and opt in customers ready to talk to. The second um, for me would be brand collaborations. Work with like-minded brands that have a natural connection to you and share ways of reaching out to your collective audiences together. Uh, and thirdly, I would say investment, uh, investment in resources, whether that's headcount and technologies uh, to bring uh, this in-house. The more you have the knowledge internally, 
the more you can control uh, your own destiny uh, through this complex uh, and convoluted <laughs> maze. Really good advice there, Tony. Um, your point on brand collaboration leads me really nicely, actually, to my next question, which is uh, with the removal of trust and privacy barriers associated with data sharing, we're seeing more brands looking to collaborate. And this is definitely a trend we're seeing at InfoSum. How would you like to see brands and media owners engaging with each other in the future? Absolutely. Um, and it's a trend I'm seeing too and really welcome as a brand you know, uh, marketer myself. Um, and it's really interesting to see it kind of open back up again. Um, and great to see it back on the table. Um, it's great news indeed. Um, for me, it's a natural way to reach and grow your audiences as long as the collaborations make sense and they naturally fit together, that you've got like-minded ethos and purpose and emotional connection, that the fit really kind of just is seamless. Uh, and brands and media owners need to be more open about this. I think ultimately it's about building transparency and trust at the beginning of the relationships and, and working that through the contracts and the agreements that you come together and finding a win-win for both parties. Uh, an equal seat at that table because it, you both are um, invested in it. You both want the same thing out of it. So it's better to come to that table with with that openness around um, your overall and end goal so that you can get there together. 100%. And I think we're obviously seeing more and more technologies um, emerging today that can enable brands and media owners and other partners to collaborate uh, more easily. So the whole concept of the Identity Art Architects podcast is to get to know the innovators within our industry, the people who continuously challenge the status quo and who believe there's a better way to use customer data to deliver rich experiences to consumers. From where you sit today, what is the most unique thing you've seen from a brand in relation to utilising a customer's data? most unique thing I've seen <laughs> let me it, <laughs> I will try let me go back into the recess of my mind um, actually I'm fortunate enough uh, that I sit on the board of the DMA and I chair their awards committee so through that lens I'm able to see a lot of great work that the industry is producing both from brand side and agency side using data creatively creatively uh, strategically and uniquely. Um, and from this year's awards that we just had, a few actually stand out, but one in particular that kind of comes to mind when I was thinking about this, uh, it's from a charity actually, the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. And their whole premise was obviously as most you know organizations and, and brands found, locked as lockdown persisted, uh, gatherings shrunk and for them, memorials were either limited or even canceled. So, and they they rely on those to really help generate funds and awareness for them, you know, from their um, donors, but also trying to get new people uh, to join. So they decided uh, to bring the memorials home to people. So getting the UK public to connect with their past, you know, whilst at home, which is hard enough. But what they used um, data and technology for, they used. Uh, an element of Google Street View to show where men and women um, commemorated by the Commonwealth lived. And working with data from uh, about 1.7 million casualties from the time, the organization placed the names of the men and women who died 
in houses where they used to live with a click through to read more about their lives and find a little bit of a, about more of local history, neighborhood history and where they lived and who they were. They then notified and retargeted those who lived on these streets and nearby to War Graves Week's events, encouraging them to come along, learn more and look for those um, who passed away, but were once vital members of their very own community. It also sent letters home uh, to the occupants um, of 24 streets across the UK, written by the former occupants uh, who passed away in the war. So people living there now received a letter from the person who had lived in that house, you know, years ago, telling stories of life overseas during the war, whilst encouraging people to learn more about their lives through the work the uh, organization did. Uh, this activity uh, also was supported by geotargeting paid social campaigns to drive traffic to the website, encouraging people to discover who lived on your street. Uh, and the campaign reached, you know, almost three million people around the UK maximizing engagement and local relevance it increased significantly in uh, traffic uh, a third of uh, uh, the increase of traffic on the website uh 75 percent were new uh that were coming uh so that the audiences then could learn more about the war graves work uh and ultimately uh are there uh to support so kind of just a really you know a, a, an interesting way for a charity you know a small charity to think on its feet and really intelligently about not just their own data, but um, data at their disposal to actually find new people to talk to um, going forward. Wow, what a really, really lovely cause. That's definitely something I'm going to kind of uh, read up on and something, a sort of use of data that I hadn't really heard of um, before. So yeah, I'll definitely look into it. Definitely look into it. And actually, if you're not familiar with the DMA, it's a great organization uh, to get involved with. It's kind of the best of the best of the um, data marketing association and all the, uh, you know, awards is a big piece of it, but they do a lot of training uh, and accreditation within data and marketing um, uh, from an advertising and, and brand perspective. Cool. Thanks, Tony. Um, so now for some of the kind of what I like to think of the more exciting questions where we really get to know you more. So the quick fire questions. Got it. So what is your earliest memory of advertising or marketing? <laughs> I was very young. Um, <laughs> I was obsessed with commercials from an early age. Like I would rather see the commercials than the, um, the, the program itself. And what stands out actually for me are early McDonald's ones that actually still come to mind. Specific, <laughs> specifically, their song that was about Big Mac, filet of fish, quarter pound of French fries, icy coke, thick chicks, sundaes, and apple pies. You deserve a break today at McDonald's. <laughs> we do it all for you. Wow, you went oh, for the whole jingle. <laughs> I went for the whole jingle. Jingles need to come back. I was obsessed with jingles. Uh, they need a comeback more than who uh, more than what you know we're seeing today i like a jingle yeah i'm glad that resonated with you <laughs> um so what was your first job within the industry it was right out of uni actually um i wasn't i didn't get a degree in in marketing or business i was a pre-med a student and i was on my way to medical school 
I was um, taking a year out uh, to earn uh, money to kind of help afford uh, med school at the time. Uh, and I uh, got a job as an account coordinator in a direct mail agency. And that's where my love of the industry was shaped and formed. It was a boutique agency focusing in the charity sector. And that's where I fell in love with data insight, testing, all of it. It was, you know, pre-website, pre-digital. It was old school um, direct mail, junk mail, as they called it, A-B testing, a lot of it. It was brilliant. And, and I've never looked back. Oh, amazing. Well, I'm sure some of those pre-med skills um, have helped shape who you are today in the industry as well. <laughs> the analytical side, I think there's, yeah, I think so. Well, let's hope so. Yeah. I don't definitely. think I can operate on you. Don't let me operate. On you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely will not. <laughs> um, knowing what you know now, what would you say to yourself when you started your career? Um, God, I think a lot of things. Again, I got to think, keep it clean. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't, don't worry so much. It will all work out. I think, you know, I just always that whole idea to strive for perfection and making sure everything is absolutely right. And then actually, in hindsight, in trying to learn that 80-20 rule, uh, do, you know, make sure 80% of it is, is worked out and, and don't worry about the 20%. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think one of my um, old managers always said to me, "No one's died," so that's exactly. always the motto. <laughs> Try not to panic. Exactly. Try not to panic. Exactly. Um, what do you love about what you do right now and the industry that we're in? Gosh, um, what don't I love? Actually, um, I do love. I love the results piece of it, and actually, you know, the more senior I get my team will attest to this i still like to stay in the, the some of the detail of, of understanding the results and the the insights seeing what worked out and what didn't and figuring out how do what do we do next time you know good and bad it's that constant review and always trying to improve refine do better and allowing yourself to fail i think it's actually being able to have, be brave enough to test something prove it didn't work understand why it didn't work and move on and try something else um the other piece is just, the, I mean, for right now, in terms of WW, the purpose of transforming lives, I think we're really helping people find success in, in and of themselves and find that inner body confidence uh, to really um, balance out holistic wellness for them, their mind, their body, their activity and their food intake. Uh, and we're really transforming lives. Uh, and I love that um, element of what I do today. Yeah, I think being able to see the value um, in what you do is obviously a key takeaway for anyone. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, it's interesting because I think, you know, I love working at Disney as well. And I think, you know, they are the biggest entertainment uh, a company in the world and telling lovely stories. And they're a storytelling brand. Um, and I think WW in the same way is a storytelling brand, but actually with real transformed stories of actually how we're changing people's lives you know a lot of the member success stories you know just send chills up your spine uh in terms of like their what they look what how they felt about themselves before and how they feel about themselves after is 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 completely miles apart yeah of course uh so one of my favorite questions um and one that i think is 
difficult to answer, so I'm excited to see how you answer it. Um, <laughs> but as an industry, we're obviously obsessed with the concept of identity, and rightly so. But how would you explain the term identity to a 10-year-old? Yeah, exactly. Um, I love it. I love your questions. <laughs> These are great. Um, I would Three grimmest teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually say identity to a 10-year-old. Um, it's your unique self. Um, it's like your fingerprint. There's nobody else like you. Um, it's what makes you, you. That's such a lovely way to describe it. I would agree. Thanks. Thank you. um so what keeps you awake at night what keeps again well (laughs) actually actually nothing I am such a sound sleeper I am a great sleeper and I sleep through anything and everything but um which I I think that's my secret um superpower um but if I had to pick something it's probably right before a new campaign launches, I st- you think about everything. It's like you kind of like second guess yourself. Oh, did we cover every scenario? Will it work? What if it doesn't work? Um, is it going to land? What are people going to say? How are people going to act? So I think that probably, I think in terms of if there is something, it's just the anxiety of the, the day before launch, the nervousness. Nice. Nervous excitement, I hope. Nervous. Definitely nervous, nervous excitement. (laughs) So I guess um, kind of counter to what keeps you awake at night, which for you sounds like not too much. um, What gets you motivated in the morning? Well, um, my dog, Jack, (laughs) he's up and ready to go for walks, which is great because I actually am, if I quite honestly am not a morning person, It, it takes me a lot of snoozes to push through before I'm actually out of bed. Uh, but he's been able to get me up uh, and for walks. But aside from that, again, I get it goes back to the results. I love, I'm quite obsessed with my Google Analytics tab um, open. I come down with my coffee and I look at the results of the previous day. How did we do? Um, do my a few of my little rituals and kind of like my, um, to ensure like I, I the, the good juju sauce has been sent through uh, <laughs> to make sure there's a, there's a, a, it's a good result today. But yeah, I would say aside from my dog uh, and the walks that we have to do, um, having a look at what, what happened yesterday. Nice. It's always nice to have something to motivate you to kind of get outside, get some fresh air, get the day going. Yes. Um, so finally, what do you want or need to say that you haven't already mentioned? So kind of anything in particular, yeah, that you would want to add? Um, If there's anything else I want to add, I just think, I mean, the importance of community, actually. I was writing a a blog the other day in terms of, you know, kind of trends for 2022 and where where we're looking at and what we're doing. And I think that the the rise and the evolution of community is so important. Think back to, to our earlier conversation on data and connection and what are we doing with cookie lists. Um futures I think drilling into the people that are your advocate and actually allowing them to help you bubble up and uh differentiate yourselves from competition uh audience clarification all of that I think you know really leaning into those members that you have that actually believe in you and are with you how do you use them to be your advocates your cheerleaders um even in a more pronounced way, I think that's on the on the rise and growing uh, because COVID has kind of uh, turned 
uh, everything on its head in terms of how, you know, how people experience shopping, how people experience connection, how people want and experience entertainment. And I think everybody, you know, as a brand and as what we need to be doing is re- reinforcing that layer to be a real central part of our marketing plans going forward. Definitely. I think um, the past two years and um, kind of with COVID and working at home, although it's made collaboration more difficult because everyone's been siloed, it's also opened up a number of new opportunities. And as you said, kind of encourage people to think in different ways. So that's a positive and a silver lining that's come out of it. Yeah. So now, just a fun one. Um, if there was a song that was a soundtrack of your life, what would it be? Oh my gosh, this is what <laughs> I was really sweating about, actually. I don't know. I'm a very eclectic music listener. Uh, so I have a lot of random songs uh, floating through my head, and they're all not connected. So I have a, 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 a few, like ultimately, I thought, so I started thinking about this as, okay, what kind of gets me going and energized and and um, excited. Uh, and on a weekend when I'm like ready to kind of like, if I've got to clean the house or kind of get myself up and, and going, it, I always lean into a Dolly Parton album or a Dolly Parton song. I love her. Um, <laughs> So uh, she's always blaring on a Saturday morning uh, when I'm cleaning the house. <laughs> um, but other than that, I'd have to say something like if a specific song comes to mind, uh, classic ones around like Walking on Sunshine or Daydream Believer or even uh, Happy. Because I, I feel like I am a pretty optimistic, glass half full kind of guy. So something that resonates positively, uh, that has a, a sense of fun and energy and excitement about it. But um, I did ask my partner yesterday, I'm like, oh, God, what is my song? What would you say? And he said he had it straight away. And he <laughs> said um, it would have to be Beverly Knight's Shoulda, Coulda, Woulda. Because oh. I'm always... I'm always saying, oh, I wish I got up an hour earlier so I could do my run, or I should have said that, or or I, I could have gone with that option. Uh, so he's like, you definitely are a shoulda, coulda, woulda, which I don't know if I really like, because I don't feel like I'm a shoulda, coulda, woulda. I don't want to be a shoulda, coulda, woulda. I want to be. <laughs> but we all have a little bit of that in us, maybe. Yeah. Well, all of those song suggestions have put a smile on my face. So they're definitely kind of um, happy and motivational ones. <laughs> you're going to be go put, you're going to be putting Jolene on. A hundred percent. I'm surprised you didn't go for the McDonald's theme tune that you <laughs> serenaded I earlier. You, I, don't, I don't think you want to hear my singing again. <laughs> if you could even call it that. <laughs> um. So finally, this podcast is all about uh, individuals who pioneered new ways to use data to deliver better customer experiences. So when you look to people you admire in the industry, who would you nominate for us to interview mm. in an upcoming episode? Well, I, I, again, the list is long. There's a lot of people out there that are doing great work. I think three people come to mind. Um, Jill Dugan. Uh, who's the director of a customer engagement and delivery at British Gas. She's doing great stuff over there and um, really trying to pioneer and reshape kind of customer service for a big British institution, which is by no means feat. Um, another uh, person would be Cheryl uh, Calvary, uh, who's now the CEO of Eve Sleep, 
uh, and then finally, um, Sherry uh, Kremen, uh, the MNS Food Marketing Director, who's got great stories and is a really inspirational uh, leader. Amazing. Well, hopefully we can um, have a conversation with them in future podcasts. Yeah, I hope so. Fingers crossed. So thank you so much for joining us, Tony. That was super interesting, really informative. And I'm really excited to see kind of what happens with you and WW in the future. Thanks again to Tony for joining us for Identity Architects. It's fascinating to hear the approach WW is taking to the cookie future, insights into their first party data strategy and their approach to data collaboration. All that leaves for me to do is to remind you to hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode of Identity Architects lands. And if you'd like to appear on the podcast or would like to nominate someone, feel free to reach out to us via email at podcasts at infosum.com. But until next time, thanks for listening.